You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, welcome into the Rocky Top Rewind here at VolQuest.com and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. I'm Eric Kane, alongside Brent Hubs. We do it every single Sunday night at 8 o'clock right here at VolQuest. And if you're watching this on the VolQuest YouTube channel, help us out by liking this video. The goal is always to get to 500 likes. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on YouTube. Brent, we got a good uh, deal coming off right now, right before Christmas. $10 for one year of a VolQuest.com subscription. It is a perfect Christmas gift to get that Tennessee fan in your life, your family, your your cast of friends. $10 for one year at VolQuest.com. Also, Brent, Jalen Hyatt becomes the first Bolitnikoff Award winner in Tennessee history. Um, it was kind of a no-doubt uh, you know, award, in my opinion, based on the stat sheets. Marvin Harrison Jr. had a fantastic season, but... Uh, what an award for Jalen Hyatt, what an award for Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt. And you never know about those awards because you don't know exactly what people are looking at. But statistically, Jalen Hyatt was was clear, clearly the better receiver from a stat standpoint. But you never know how everybody views that. And uh, he's very deserving of the award. And, you know, if you've, if you've watched this show, um, if you've read anything I've written for the last 10 months on this football team, you know how big of a fan I am of Jalen Hyatt. And uh, I'm a big fan of his for a lot of reasons. He's got a ton of talent, but I'm a big fan of kind of the way he went to work to become the player he's become. And uh, just a terrific honor for him, a big honor for Josh Heupel and for Tennessee to certainly sell in recruiting um, and, and certainly something big for the Tennessee fans, something that's, you know, Tennessee's never had one before. I know that award's only been around since 94, but Tennessee's had a lot of good receivers play football since 1994. And, and uh, you know, just a great year by Jalen Hyatt. Did it on the biggest stages, you know, um, when Cedric Tillman went down, his game elevated and he took his game to another level, uh, which says a lot about kind of who he is and the competitive character that he has. You know, both of those guys, Marvin Harrison Jr. as well, both number one receivers for Ohio State and Tennessee, uh, missed a whole lot of time this year. And Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jalen Hyatt both stepped up and kind of benefited in that regard. But, you know, also I, I think there's a number of, uh, of factors here. Jalen Hyatt spoke repeatedly. We've written about it. You know, last year, walked down through the hallway with his head down, the hood up, and his heart wasn't in it and everything. He got benched, put in the work over the offseason, bettered himself, invested himself into this program, into the weight room, into the into the film room and was never satisfied. And then you couple that mindset, that renewed mindset, with the scheme of what Josh Heupel and Alex Golish and uh, the coaching from Kelsey Pope. I mean, it was kind of the perfect storm. And, yeah, sure, there was there was a lot of mismatches out there. There was a lot of ways that you know Tennessee was able to scheme up Jalen Hyde to get open down the field, and that's a credit to coaching. But also, <laughs> I mean, speed, as you would say, has never had a bad day. Jalen Hyatt was able to get behind the – 
the secondary a lot of times and run some crisp routes and you kind of put all that together and you put forth a season of over 1200 yards receiving and a nation leading 15 touchdowns yeah and, and again i think the, the credit starts with jalen hyatt because he didn't pack up and go to the house um yeah. you know i mean what we're, what do we let where are we at now 800 kids in the portal or something mm-hmm. like that uh a lot of guys are, are looking for greener pastures when it doesn't go their way and and he realized that he could create his own green pastures at Tennessee through the advice of Valus Jones. I will, I will mind you as well. Uh, but, but Tennessee, um, you know, really invested in Jalen and Jalen invested back in Tennessee and it became just a terrific marriage for everybody involved this year. And, um, you know, I, I think sometimes you have to go through adversity to figure out how good you are and, and to figure out um, how good you can be. And, and I think that's a, I think that's what Jalen Hyatt went through. Uh, a year ago, and, and I think he came out on uh, came out the other side of it. Obviously, not just a better player, but but he'll tell you a better person from it as well. So hats off to Jalen for the uh, the perseverance and and the willingness to to put your you know put your foot down where you are and, and go to work, and that's exactly what he did. Hey, Brent, what does this mean? What could this mean for you know the program itself? I mean, obviously, I think this is you know something you could use in recruiting. I think this is something Josh Heupel and Kelsey Pope can be using. Uh, you know, throughout the next, you know, couple of months. I mean, I think this is a testament not only to Jalen Hyatt, but uh, to Josh Heupel as he continues to rebuild this program, 10 wins in year two and a major award. Sure, you didn't get he- you didn't get a Heisman finalist from Hendon Hooker, but you did win a Bolitnikoff award, and I think that, that means something. Well, I mean, I think you can mention that to the recruits, and, and recruits might go, okay, yeah, that's cool, but then they want to see what what is your vol in the NFL spotlight look, look like, right? I mean, who are you putting in a league? What are you doing there? Uh, Jalen's going to end up in the league at some point. We all know, but but you know, Josh Heupel's got a couple other guys in the National Football League that that are doing well. It's not just a product of the system; um, it's the fact that there's good players playing in the system. And I think this is a validation to how good of a player Jalen Hyatt is in this system, which is a credit to him and a credit to Coach Heupel. And um, yeah, it doesn't hurt. I mean, in recruiting, I mean, Tennessee's certainly going to sell it. Um, and they'll sell it coupled with, hey, here's some guys that played for us, and here's w- what's going on with them, you know, at the next level. Because as you and I both know when talking to recruits, that's a very clear question that gets asked to, to, to coaches right now. How are you going to develop me for the next level in addition to what's the NIL package going to be like and, and all those types of things as well. But, um, you know, I, I think it's certainly a selling point in recruiting. It doesn't hurt. You know, Jalen Hyatt's just one of uh, a couple different volunteers that's got a decision to make, a decision on whether to uh, go ahead and turn pro or come back. Um, you know, the two others I'm re- referencing here, Cedric Tillman and Darnell Wright. I mean, both of those guys are either a senior or a fifth-year senior. They have eligibility left, but, you know, they put in four years. Jalen Hyatt on the other end is just a junior now. But also in regards to going pro or coming back, are you going to play in the Orange Bowl? Jalen Hyatt was asked about this uh, Thursday night after winning the Blitnikoff Award, saying – uh, potentially there will be a decision coming up this week. Here is Jalen Hyatt. I have to talk to my family and uh, the coaching staff. Uh, you know, we're still 50-50 on some things. And, uh, you know, I'll have a decision next week uh, for everybody. And um, But as far as, you know, those are two things I have to weigh in, you know, the receiving record and just playing with the team and or, or leaving. And, um, you know, I'm taking the consideration uh, hard, you know, with my family and coaches, but we'll have a decision next week. You know, you have to weigh in uh, both both options. Um, you know, do you do you think uh, you know as far as scouting wise? You know, do you feel like you're ready for the league? Do you think you need to come back? Um, you know, what is NIL? Uh, what are, what is NIL pushing? Um, and uh, as far as leaving, you know, what round? What is? Your-
your evaluation? You know, what does the scouts think about you? Um, it's a lot of things that, you know, I have to take into consideration and um, would be patiently doing it, you know, with my family and coaches. And, you know, I just want to credit Coach Hype of, you know, just helping me through the process and helping me make the right decision, you know, for me and my future. Brent, that was Jalen Hyatt on Thursday night, uh, kind of going through the factors he'll be uh, working through in order to make a decision. It says that he'll have a decision this week at some point. Um, it's going to be a big one for Tennessee. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, though, if, if you look at kind of where your stock is, where your projections are. I mean, I've seen some mocks having him as high as late first round, uh, day two guy. Uh, that might be tough to turn away. And, and if so, what can you gain from playing in a bowl game where you would potentially have everything to lose? No doubt, and and there's a lot of factors, you know, that that go in there. there. Obviously, the injury consideration is something that that you know all guys look at, and and Jalen Hyde has witnessed that up close and personal with the injury to Hendon Hooker. Uh, we all saw what happened to Matt Corral a year ago in a, in a bowl game. Um, so we'll see what happens there in terms of next year. I, I think the question you have to ask, and and the question every kid should ask themselves, is how much can I better myself if I come back. How many rounds could I jump in the draft? How many picks could I move up in the draft? Um, some of those types of things are under consideration. And, and you know, for for him, uh, for for Jalen Hyatt, it's going to be a different quarterback throwing him the ball next year. Um, he, he's on the cusp of of the first round right now. You got to look at what is what does the receiver board look like in this draft, and what's it going to potentially look like in the next draft? Uh, so lots of things go into that. It's not just a flippant decision. And, and Jalen Hyatt will will certainly use all the resources available to him to, to evaluate all those things and, and make what is the best decision for him and his family. Then again, you got to account for guys like Jalen Hyatt that was on nobody's draft board and then all of a sudden is up there towards the top. There'll be some players like that as well coming out next year. Uh, so Jalen Hyatt, we expect to uh, hear from him on terms of a decision at some point this week. Uh, meanwhile, Tennessee has grabbed two commits out of the transfer portal. Brent, a tight end. And McAllen Castle, six foot six, two hundred and forty-five pounds from UC Davis. He originally signed with Cal out of high school, and Tennessee went out and got a, a commitment from a kicker as well, and Charles Campbell uh, from Indiana. Uh, two positions of need. Tennessee's certainly not done in the transfer portal, but uh, that's been the movement so far. So far, coming in with five players going out. Yeah, and let's start with the kicker. Why? Why take a kicker? Right? What? what you got JT Carver on your roster. Why, why are you going to take another roster spot for a kicker? I think the biggest question, the biggest concern you have at kicker is what's the competition with JT Carver? Um, JT Carver's got a solid leg. He, he's, it, but I mean, he's not got the biggest leg in all of America. He's got little to no experience at this point. Tennessee does not have anybody else on his rot on the roster that's a place kicker uh, of any note. And so, you know, you go Paxton Brooks could have placed kick. He could have made some field goals. Toby Wilson could have kicked a year ago this this past year if McGrath had gotten hurt. Right now, Tennessee's slated not to have anybody. So they needed some competition with J.T. Carver and some depth at that position. They went out and got a guy who's kicked in, in game-winning type situations in the Big Ten uh, to provide that competition and, and maybe be the starting kicker at Tennessee. So I, I think that's a big part of that. You know, an in-state kid coming back home, I'm sure it's a big thrill to him to get to come back to Tennessee. Uh, but that's a big reason why Tennessee was looking for a kicker. That's not the most common position everybody's been asking about. about this and it's, to me it's the biggest need uh, on the roster in terms of transfer portal help Tennessee's got to have help we don't know what Jacob Warren's going to do um, I'm not sure he's going to come back I know that's that's not a final decision by him but I, I don't know exactly what he's going to do if 
it's 50 50 in, in my estimation at best for him right now. Princeton fan is gone. Miles Campbell is gone. You're left with a couple of walk ons, basically. Um, you're bringing in Ethan Davis, who's coming off a shoulder, you know, surgery procedure that, that cost him his senior year in high school. He's going to have to get more physical. How quick can he get ready to play? And so here's Castles out there available for you. Um, this is a guy who's on some NFL boards as a second day or third day selection, potentially, uh, Eric. And, and I think that um, most people feel like Tennessee went out and got themselves a good player at that position. And that's a position of need. I'm not sure Tennessee's done there. Um, I know Tony's asking tonight about the, the, the tight end from Shorter College. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go there or not. We'll see. I think Tennessee's continuing to look at him and visit with him. Uh, and I think there's a real likelihood that Tennessee would like to take a second tight end. Maybe they're just waiting to see if there's anybody else going to jump in the portal but before they move any faster with anybody else. So we'll see what happens there. I, I think Castles is a solid get when you look at the production he's had, the size he brings to the table, and the experience he has, Eric. Yeah, I think so too. And, and of course, we know we know how important the tight end position is for this offense. We know the importance of having more than just one. I know Alex Golish and uh, Josh Hopple spoke when they got hired almost two years ago. The importance of having you know three or four guys ready, and then hopefully having five guys that can at least contribute on special teams. So Tennessee has not had that. Been fortunate to have two guys that you can rely on. And then you've seen at least in Prince and Fans' uh, regard, his role continue to grow with the second year in the system. Tennessee's had two guys they can count on, but not a whole lot of depth behind those guys. So uh, very, very important. Uh, I'm sure you've been getting this question just as much as I have. I mean, Tennessee's gone out. They got a kicker, a tight end, potentially not done at the tight end position. But where else will Tennessee kind of look to maybe make some moves in the transfer portal? Tennessee has offered a wide receiver out of Kent State, Devontae Walker. Um, and you can follow all that with our transfer portal uh, story up at VolQuest.com. We update it daily. What are some other positions and some needs that Tennessee will not only look to address, but likely bring in some over the next, you know, this entire offseason? Well, I mean, I think receiver certainly is where they, they're pretty invested in when you look at the guys that they have offered out there. The kid from Oregon, you mentioned uh, the kid from, from Kent State as well. Um, you got the kid at Mississippi State. So, so I think they definitely want to bring in a receiver in this group. Um, and then, you know, if the right guys fall in some places, we'll see. I mean, an offensive tackle, I don't think, Eric, you take an offensive, an offensive lineman just to take an offensive lineman. He's got to be a tackle. Don't take a guy who's just a, a body who's going to play inside at guard. If you're going to take a transfer guy, you need a, a guy who can be an impact tackle, playing right or left. Um, so you, you got to have a true tackle there, I think, in the transfer portal, not just another warm body, if you will. Uh, we'll see on the uh, on defensive line. You know they they've been involved. They were involved with a Louisville kid who's now going to Florida. This trying to talk to the Louisville kid that never got into anything like a visit or anything like that. Um, the, the two kids from Western Michigan. We'll see if anything comes from that or if anybody else jumps in the portal. Um, you know, there's not a lot of edge guys out there that that really jump out at you. I don't think there's a ton of DBs out there that jump out at you. I think there's a bunch in the portal, but mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's really lining up for a bunch of those DBs. And then maybe a linebacker. Uh, I, I think that's certainly a possibility. I think part of that also depends on what what does it look like on this roster for Tennessee post bowl game. You know, does anybody else go in the portal? Does anybody else go in the portal before the bowl game? I wouldn't think so at this point. Uh, but you know, there's going to be another window and another round of movement post bowl game, and, and we'll see what that looks like at Tennessee, and and we'll see what that looks like around the country in terms of guys being available. 
It is moving fastly all across the country, the transfer portal, and you can track all of Tennessee's involvement over at VolQuest.com with our transfer portal tracker. I encourage you guys to check that out over there. Uh, we got a special treat. We're going to take a break here, but when we come back to grab a quick 60, we have got the father of Jalen Hyatt. His name is Jamie Hyatt. He's going to come on and, uh, of course, brag on his son a little bit and really looking forward to this conversation as Jalen Hyatt wins the Blitnikoff Award, the first Tennessee Vol to ever do it. Back in 60, this is the Rocky Top Rewind. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night right here at VolQuest.com and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel on YouTube and $10 for one year subscription over at VolQuest.com. That is the perfect Christmas gift for you or that Tennessee fan in your life. Brent, really excited to welcome on our next guest. He is the father of Jalen Hyatt, Blitnikoff Award winner. His name is Jamie Hyatt, and uh, we bring him on here to the Rocky Top Rewind Jamie, thanks so much for taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations on uh, being the father of a Blitnikoff Award winner. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate what you guys do. You're very professional in what you do, very gracious in what you do. And I just, uh, throughout over these years, I just really appreciate what y'all do. Well, appreciate that, man. And uh, tell me about the moments. I know you guys were on hand. You got to got to experience that with Jalen kind of walk us through that as a father kind of what were you what were you thinking right there yeah it was um it was surreal I, I think the biggest um I think the biggest feeling that we had probably was just an immense feeling of pride um and and pride for 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 Jalen and what he's accomplished and, and his journey to get there but you know pride for just the whole team the coaching staff to be with those guys right in the team room to see their camaraderie and and really, you know, so that's some of the things that, I mean, that's, that's what fans don't see is like those intimate moments and to see all of his teammates and how they were coming up to him and just so genuinely happy for him. Um, and it, it just, um, you know, it makes your heart smile to, to see that, um, to see how everybody's just happy. They're all pulling for each other genuinely and you can feel it. And, um, and that was really cool to be a part of that. And, um, but yeah, it was, you know, some moments of just some surrealness of just like, you know, this is it. Because, you know, the cameras were there and, and you had to be seated in certain places. And camera was all, you know, cameras were always on you. And um, it was just, uh, it was really cool just to, to be with Jalen and his teammates during their time. Well, Jamie, uh, again, um, and a word kind or of a look couple at... of words. Oh, go ahead, Brent. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I may have flipped out there. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened. How would you describe in a word or a phrase the last three years, if you were summing it up for somebody on the outside who had never seen it, didn't follow it? How, how would you describe it, Jamie, as a dad? Perseverance. Um, perseverance, right? And, and that's, that's how I would describe it. Because, you know, you, you, it's been such a journey, right? And, and 
he came in. He's he's always, you know, with high school, um, not to say that it was easy because he worked very hard, but, you know, a lot of these guys, where they're, where they're on the top level, let's be honest, right? Your, your top guys, high school is easy. And that's not to take away from what they've done and the amount of work that they've put on and, and their coaches and everybody's put in, but it's, it's easy for them. And then you step into a conference like the SEC, right? And you have to know that it's not going to be easy anymore. Um, and, you know, Jalen stepped in his freshman year and, and really had a good freshman campaign because that's not what I've always told him. I was like, look, your, your goal as a freshman, especially in the SEC, is just get on the field, right? Just get on the field. Get those reps. Um, and then, of course, we had the staff change. That was very tough. Um, and then, and then you know, you start your, your sophomore year and – you know, things, you know, you, you get injured and, um, you know, in the pit game season and from there, season doesn't go the way that you might have envisioned it going. And, and then you got to step back and you got to go, well, why, why, why isn't it going the way that I thought it was going to go? Right. And then you're going to, you have to, you got to, you got to look in the mirror. You got to have some tough conversations with yourself. He has some tough conversations with us, some things that maybe he didn't want to hear. And, um, and from there, you got to make a choice, right? You know, because, you know, I kind of always told him, like, you know, what are you going to do, right? The season's not going the way you want it to go. So what do you, you don't have many choices here. You're going to either fish or cut bait, right? One of those. And, um, and so he decided, look, let's double down. And he decided to, to really start doing the, the things that he needed to do. And you could see it throughout um, last year, he was making those progressions. And then in, in January, you know, it, it really, that's when he really got so focused, more focused than I've ever seen him in my life. And, um, and I know the amount of work that he put in, and I know his dedication. And so to see all this with a Bolitnikov come to fruition, it's, it's, it's emotional to even think about with uh, considering what he went through and then how much preparation he put, he put into that. Jamie, how was that balancing act? I mean, you wanna you wanna be there, you wanna you wanna help him, you wanna mold him, you wanna tell him what he's doing wrong, tell him what he could do, but but you also you wanna be a father, you wanna be there for him. I mean, your kid's hurting. How was that balancing act for you there last year? Yeah, so you know, we 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 texted a lot, right? We texted a lot because you know, myself being an English teacher, I felt like sometimes I could put. I could put better thoughts, um, you know, into text, right? I could say what I really wanted to say in words that he could read. And we would go back and forth with each other and, again, have some, some tough conversations with each other. And um, it hurt, right, because any parent wants to – doesn't want their child to, to, um, to, to struggle. But at the same time, I guess the, the dad in me, right, the, knows that, to me, any boy, right, should or, or their their son should have to go through that that conflict or that journey, um, and they need to figure some things out on their own, right? Because I, you know, I can I can help you know, or the, the his mom and I can help provide you know some guidance, but ultimately it's up to him, and you know I can't we can't be there, right? And, but we can offer support, we can offer love, we can offer advice, and he did very, very well with listening. Maybe not in the moment. He didn't want to hear it, but eventually, as days passed, he would. Uh, I, I know he, I know he read those things and saw those things, 
and and maybe as as the days pass, he would he would kind of take those and, and digest them, and um, and get what we were trying to say. So yeah, you're right. It was a balancing act. I mean, we any you know no parent wants to see their child you know have a hard time or, or struggle with things, but it's 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 a part of that journey, um, you know that that these guys go through. Jamie, was there a moment, was there a month, a week? Do you remember a text reply where you went, well, that sounds different. I, I'm, I'm reading that. I'm reading that different. Like he's interpreting what we've been talking about for several weeks and the replies I'm getting now are different than the replies I was getting pre-Christmas or, or in the middle of last season. Right. And, and throughout all of that, when, when things weren't going his way, now, now let me say this, and I've said this to anybody he was the biggest fan of his teammates, especially Valus, right? Jalen never sat back and was mad because, I mean, never. And uh, he was the biggest um, supporter of Valus because, you know, Valus was taking him under his wing. And, I mean, he always he knew, Dad, my, my time's coming. And I'm just, you know, that's one of the things I told him. I said, son, look, be a good teammate, right? Be a good person. Make plays when you get a chance. And he really, I mean, and he did that throughout um, last year, but it was definitely, you know, if I had to say, it was, it was definitely in, in January, um, early February, but, but definitely in January when, when we would text, we would talk that, yeah, I, I heard something different because I heard goals and I heard a plan to reach those goals. And, and, um, and then in February, and again, I've mentioned this before, but I can, I'm not going to mention it too much and, and, until uh, Jalen is, is ready to share, if, if and when he's ever ready to share. Um, you know, is in February, I think, 16th, um, you know, the handwritten, handwritten letter. And, um, and on that was, was his thoughts and uh, makes me emotional even thinking about it, his thoughts and, and his goals. And... You know, he wrote down some things and, and, you know, he called it the secret and he wrote down 10 things. And um, I've, I've mentioned already one of those. That's he wrote down that, you know, he's going to go for a thousand yards. Um, and he wrote down nine other things. And, you know, he said that I will live by these 10 things. And um, and and he did. And it was, you know, when I when, when I read it. I, I had to excuse myself. I was actually um, at work. I had to excuse myself going to the bathroom. I just started bawling, crying, just just reading it. And um, and and let me tell you, he he wrote down those ten things and he stuck to them, um, every single one of them. Jamie, so we we had a chance to to catch up with Jalen right after he won the award the other night, and uh, one of the questions we asked him was. Do you have a favorite moment uh, of the season or a favorite touchdown or catch or whatever? And the one that he said that really sticks out to him was the fifth touchdown, of course, against Alabama. So let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite uh, moment or one that kind of stands out amongst the rest? Maybe it's a touchdown. Maybe it's just a normal catch a moment from this year from your son. Um, I would say the fifth touchdown also. You know, we, we were there almost in disbelief watching that. And I remember after his third touchdown, I looked over, Devin, his, his younger brother was with us. And Devin said, he said, Dad, and this was after his third touchdown. Devin said, Dad, Jalen's going to score five times. And I just said, what? No, no way. And he said, Dad, watch. He's going to score five times. And sure enough, he scored five. And then that fifth one, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, as a dad, all, you know, as a parent, um, all of them are, are special. Um, you know, so the, the, the LSU one, you know, the, the, the long nine, um, you know, the, the goat ball against LSU was pretty special, too, because that was coming right at us. Um, and, and that was pretty special, too. I don't know. I say all of them are special, but, uh, but those two in particular, for sure. Jamie, you've mentioned a couple of times the, the, the program and the teammates and, and what people don't see behind the scenes. Coaching changes are hard because that's not the people you know. What, what has Josh Heupel, Alex Golish, Cody Burns, now Kelsey Pope, as a parent, what have those guys meant to you for what they've done for, for Jalen? Oh, it's, it means the world of, of what they do. They came in. And you're right, right? Um, you know, staff changes are not easy at all. And I think that's one of the things that fans don't quite um, get, right? Especially when you've been recruited by another staff. It's, it's, you've developed relationships with those guys. Um, you know, regardless of, of win-loss record, right? You, you have developed relationships with those guys, and it hurts. Um, and so, you know, um, Heupel and his staff came in and, and – you know, they came in with a, with a um, with these standards that this this is this is the type of program that we're going to be, and and it's exactly what we needed, right? It's exactly what we needed at the time, and I'm just so thankful for all the guys, and even how they tried to reach Jalen, maybe when he didn't want to listen, right? Um, and they and my biggest thing is they kept loving him, right? They they just kept loving him, and um, and. And and Jalen, he gave into that love too, right? He accepted that love too, and and, um, and and Coach Pope. Let me tell you, that's why I was pushing. You know, when I when I, you know, once Cody left, and and they were looking for um, another wide receiver coach. That that was I, I knew right then that that Coach Pope, Kelsey Pope, had to be the guy. I mean, he had to be. He had taken Jalen under his wings, you know, throughout all of last year. That nobody knew about. He 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 had really taken them under his wings, and, and I knew um, once the position was open that to me that uh, there was only one person for the job, and it was and it was Kelsey Pope for sure. And um, you know we 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 talk sometimes, and I'm just I'm I'm you know after the Bama game we saw each other in the locker room, and, and he was emotional, and I was emotional, and, and, and really just thanking each other um, for for trusting each other. Um, you know, so, uh, but all of those guys, and, and they just, they put their arms around these guys and they loved them. They held them to a high standard, which should always be the case. And they just, they, they went out there and, and they just, they have fun. And, and you can sense it again, when you're amongst the guys and you know the players, the way we know them, you, you sense that, right? You, you sense that even in the way that the players come up to you and, and, um, and give you a hug. I mean, they're just, you see the look on their face and they're, they're happy. They're genuinely happy, right? And um, so that's special to see. Hey, Jamie, I got one more for you. Um, you know, in, in this era of college football, it's continuing to evolve, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions about NIL and name, image, and likeness and all that. But for me, what I'm seeing your son do with this recent, you know, partnership with Hyatt Hotels, I mean, th this is the type of stuff that you kind of envision from the get-go and, and able to, uh, you know, gift a, a generous you know for gift for all of his teammates and you know traveling to games and whatnot the orange bowl and all that how proud are you that your son is having success 
and then using that success to you know be a better man and to help people because that's one of the greatest things about name image and likeness that people often overlook but what what happened the other, you know last week with his deal with hyatt hotels i think that's just i think that's awesome right and i think it's because he he, he knows that he didn't do it alone right and um he didn't do it alone and and so when we deal with some of these brands um, that's one thing that, that he asked about and that, and that we talked about with certain brands is, look, is there, you know, within this contract right here, is, is there a gifting opportunity? And um, some brands, you know, want to work that in and, and some, are, some brands can't. But um, that's one of the things that, that he likes to check on is, is there a gifting opportunity for something that I could somehow reward my, my teammates? And, um, and I'm telling you, working working with Hyatt or the world of Hyatt, um, it, that was great because we could bounce back, you know, between them and say, look, one of our biggest difficulties in, in a lot of the parents is getting to see our sons play. And um, it's tough, right? We're, we're always on, for us being down in Florida, we're, we're always on jumping on planes, which is not cheap. And then we have to figure out where to stay. And in Knoxville, the rates are incredibly high during the season. <laughs> and um, so we we knew that, and Jalen knew that, you know, that uh, that we struggled to, to get to his games. It, it put a huge financial strain on us. And, um, you know, when we talked to the world of Hyatt, you know, that's, that's one of the things we talked about is, look, you guys are one of the, you know, the biggest brands in the world. And, you know, would, wouldn't it be cool if we could somehow work out something to where his teammates, um, you know, could could to get to a bowl game or it could be used anywhere else. But, you know, we kind of work this to be used at a bowl game, um, you know, to get to see their sons, to get to see their sons play. So um, it, this it's been a great um partnership so far and uh, we really look forward to to working with those guys in the in the future also jamie i i gotta i don't want you to give anything away but but jalen talked about the you know kind of the conversations you guys were going to have and and everything and he was hoping to have a decision sometime this week about his future with with, with you know his last year of eligibility as well as the bowl game i, I don't want to glimpse into all of those you know details of those conversations but but how difficult, how difficult is that for him? And and how do you, how do you guys, what what's the team? How much bounce back and conversation takes place there without without diving into into your personal matters before any decisions made? Yeah, and 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 he has he has made a decision that that announcement will come out sometimes this week. And uh, but he has made a decision. I know in the you know several days ago this past week he said he was. He has made the decision that announcement will come out and and look we 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 talked to you know just a um, a whole circle of people that we needed to talk to that he trust um we talked to we we leaned on people who don't want anything from him right um and and so to me you know for these guys going through this process that's the important part is listening, listening to the people that don't want anything from you except the best for you. Um, and so we had to separate ourselves, right, from from certain people and, and, and groups, maybe, because this is a pretty important decision. And, um, you know, we talked about this family, talked to um, Coach Heupel, talked to Kelsey Pope, um, some great conversations with them. 
And, um, and so that's just the way we've tried to go about this is, is just listening to the people that don't have a, a vested interest in you other than to see you successful, what, whatever that means, right? So, um, so that's kind of how that's, that's gone so far. But he will have an announcement um, um, this week. Um, but, uh, you know, we need to, um, you know, some, you know, kind of have some, some final, um, kind of just, just, you know, kind of, uh, discussions on, on how that message gets out. Well, Jamie, we really appreciate you coming on and joining us here tonight. Thank you for the extended time. We just kept asking you questions because it was, it was sure. really good. Uh, but thank you again. Congratulations again. And, uh, I, I think all Tennessee fans really Fans of college football really enjoyed watching Jalen Hyatt's season this year and can't wait to see what's next for him, uh, whether that's back in college or going off to the NFL. Thank you, guys. Thank you for everything you do. Thanks, Jamie. Awesome. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, Jamie. That is Jamie Hyatt, the father of Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, Belitnikoff Award winner, first one in Tennessee history. Really, really awesome stuff there on the Rocky Top Rewind. We're going to take a quick 60 when we return. Let's discuss Tennessee's win over number 13 Maryland today on the hardwood up at the Barclays Center. Rob Lewis will join us to break down that coming up next on the Rocky Top Rewind. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. We got about 20 minutes left. We got plenty to discuss here at VolQuest.com and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. If you're watching this, please like and subscribe. Don't forget $10 for one year of a VolQuest.com subscription. It's the perfect Christmas gift. I'm Eric Kane. That's Brent Hubs, and we're going to bring on our colleague Rob Lewis. Uh, Rob Lewis is uh, covering a little bit of everything for Tennessee. It's crossover season, but now more towards basketball. And Rob, it was one where it was a tale of two halves earlier today, defensively at least for Tennessee. Played really good defense in the first half. Did not play good defense in the second half. But Tennessee does pick up a, a nice win to look back on later on as the season goes on. 56-53 over Maryland. Yeah, this is going to be one that, that you're glad. You know, it's it's not gymnastics where you, you get graded on style points. Uh, all that matters <laughs> at the end of the day is, is the final score. And, um, I mean, it was a wild one. I mean, Tennessee's offense was, was never good today, but really, you know, disappeared in the final 10 minutes. Um you know, Toby Awaka gets that put back bucket and there's like 11 and a half minutes left. Tennessee's up 45 to 29. And, you know, you feel like, well, you know, it's, it's not great, but they're going to get home just fine. And then, you know, the last 10 minutes, they just, they just lost the thread. Um, they turned the ball over five times in, in the space of about six minutes. Um, you know, Maryland rattled off a 12 0 run and Maryland shot 50% the second half after shooting 12% in the first half. So, you know, I, I know fans are, Maybe maybe not thrilled to, because Tennessee struggled so bad. It was it was tough to watch, you know. But at the end of the day, you played without two members of your rotation: and Josiah and, and Jonas Adu, two guys who you know had been playing a lot of minutes. And, and you get a win, not not a road win, but on a neutral court against a, a top fifteen team. And, and you know that's when it's going to look good in March. 
you know, Rob, it's it's interesting to me in, in watching Tennessee against really good opponents. The one thing that jumps out to me is how physical the game is being played right now. Do, do you think that's going to continue? I mean, that that was a that was a knockdown dragout, much like the Kansas game was uh, in the Bahamas. I mean, their officials seem to be letting it go. Do you feel that way? And if so, how much does that aid the defense, and how much is that hurting Tennessee's offense? Well, I mean, I think it it helps Tennessee's defense, and it, it probably overall is probably better for Tennessee because, I mean, frankly, they are a much better defensive team than they are an offensive team. So I'd say if you're Rick Barnes and, and you know you get to and if you were allowed to decide, you know, how the game was going to be officiated, I mean, I think he would want he would lean towards you know wanting to let some things go, and it suits Tennessee's style. I mean, um, Euros Plastic may have some shortcomings, but being physical in the paint is not one of them. Um, you know, Zakai Ziegler may be the shortest guy in the car, but he's he is stout. You know, he's a physical player. All all those wings are, um, you know, Jamai Meshack, uh, Josiah when he's healthy. You know, Tennessee has some has some big bodies all over the place. And got to mention Tobe Awaka today. What you know, what a stepped up performance by him. I mean, I I mentioned they played without Jonas, but other than rim protection, I'm not sure that they really lost a lot. I mean, Tobe was was physical in the paint played 17 minutes, but, but grabbed eight rebounds in that time. I mean, he, he came through in, in, in a spot where Tennessee really needed him. Do you feel like the game's physical, or do you think I'm overreading that? I, I mean, I, Hubbard, honestly, I haven't noticed a, a, a tremendous really? difference. Um, but then, you know, Tennessee is the, is the one team that I watch all the time, and, you know, I, I feel like they want to be a physical basketball team. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they're markedly different than, than they have been in the past. A lot of well, people talk about the Julian Go ahead. Eric. Sorry, Brent. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Uh, I was gonna ask Brent about Santiago Vescovi coming back in, missing a couple of games. Didn't shoot the ball very well. But how would you assess uh, Santi's performance here today? Well, I mean, Tennessee needed him out there just for his, you know his savvy, his, his veteran presence. Uh, and no, did not have a great game shooting, but nobody did. You know, for that matter. I mean, Zakai's the only guy that that finished in double digits. Uh, you know, Tennessee just made three shots in in the final ten minutes and it's remarkable that, you know, that you could win a game when, when that happens. Um, but I, I thought, you know, getting Sonny back, especially with Josiah out, um, you know, Tyreek Key is a senior, but he also is in his first year in, in your program. I mean, Zakai has, has played a lot of basketball, but he's still an underclassman. So I think having, having Santi out there, even on a day when, when he didn't have a shot going, um, it, it was a boost. I mean, he, he's, he's a tough you know, competitor. I think people, you know, feed off that. He's the kind of teammate that, you know, I think gives other guys confidence with how he approaches things. Rob, when you look at the freshman Phillips, one of 10, he missed, I think, three or four layups. I mean, he, he had a, like everybody did, he had a tough day offensively, but he still had 10 rebounds. What Does that say much about a freshman that he, it doesn't appear like he completely let his offense or lack of offense affect his play? He led the team with rebounds today. What does that say about him and kind of his maturity as a young player? I think it's it's a pretty big statement about him because a lot of guys, you know, even veterans, but I mean, especially freshmen, um, you know, they've always, for the most part, I mean, there may be some exceptions, but they've always kind of you know gotten their self worth as a player from you know how many points they score I and mean, how their how their offense is doing. I mean, that's where you, that's what gets you on highlights and you know, YouTube clips and, and all that. But I, I thought that was pretty impressive for Julie today when he I mean he just couldn't throw it in the ocean. Didn't, you know, couldn't buy a bucket and, and was still a real presence on the glass. With Edgy, 
not only 10, 10 rebounds, but five of them came on the offensive end to you know, give Tennessee extra possessions and, and turned out to be good. So I, I, I think – I've been really impressed by Julia's maturity. I mean, I, I expected him to be a big-time player, but, um, you know, just really a really humble kid. I mean, he, he may be, end up being a one-and-done guy, but he is – unlike some other kids that have come through here – I don't think that that's at the forefront of his mind. And I'm not, I'm not being critical of those other kids. I mean, a lot of not naming any names, but you know, a lot of guys have been pointing towards the NBA since they were freshmen or sophomores since they first you know, started getting ranked. And I don't think Julian is consumed by, by that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, however, I, I thought that showed a lot of maturity on his part to not let his frustrations on the offensive end detract from the rest of his game and still find a way to make a big impact. As, as for a Wonka Rob, the, the, what he did today, does that put him in a, in a rotation? Or is that Rick Barnes goes, okay, does he think, okay, I can play him some minutes if we have major foul trouble or if we have an injury? Or is that too too soon to say hours after the win's over? I, don't, I think it's a very fair question. After the game, I mean, Rick, in, in typical Rick fashion, said, hey, if, if I was those other guys, I'd be worried. <laughs> you know, because it's – I can promise you, Rick has been high on, on Tobey since back in the preseason. He, he loves the physicality that he plays with. And I think he's been really kind of looking for excuses to give him minutes. I mean, he's been in the game in, in the first half a couple of times. So I, I would kind of take Rick at, at face value. If I was Jonas or, or Eurosh, I, I probably would be a little bit worried because, I mean, Rick, Rick loves the kid. He loves the, the edge, the physicality that he brings to the court and how hard he works. And, you know, I've, I don't think you're making too much of it. I mean, that was that was a high level basketball game today in terms of competitiveness and physicality. Not it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but um, you know, Tobey didn't back down at all. He was he was one of the more physical guys on the floor. Rob, how is it, how important is it? Um, it's impressive as well that Tennessee's you know played well in the Bahamas. You know, had a couple big wins. Played well today against a team that's been really really hot. Not been at full strength so far this entire season. I mean, how, what, what's that say about this, this basketball team just here at the beginning of December that they can find ways to win when they're not their best or they're missing obviously key pieces of their rotation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty bold comment about them. I and mean, I think Tennessee is, is one of the best teams in the country. I mean, it's, you know, yes. I mean, they can be hard to watch when they're not making shots, but what you mentioned, Eric, I, I think is kind of a little underappreciated. The fact that, you know, Saki's missed two games. Josiah's now missed four games. They haven't had, you know, the complete, package you know of what rick barnes envisioned this team looking like on, on, on the floor very often and um you know i i don't because of that I mean, and, and this goes back to the preseason because i mean josiah missed tons of time in, in october so you know I, I don't think they're where they are I don't, I don't think that where they are in december right now is where rick envisioned them being from a continuity standpoint i mean i, I think that's been a bigger deal than than maybe some people appreciate Rob, when you look at this team offensively, obviously it was rough today. They've not been a great offensive team all season long. They've had some moments, but the dry spells have continued to be there. What's the upside to this offense? Do, do you do you think that – because I saw a tweet today and I thought it was pretty interesting that, that Tennessee defensively, um, they've got the ability to, to play deep into March. They also have the ability to go out the first weekend because their offense falls asleep. What do you think the – what do you think the ceiling is for this offense right now? I really think they could be a good offensive team. I mean, I think there are some guys that are not performing to the baseline that they've established in their career. I mean, just just as shooters. I mean, Santi dropped maybe more than 40% of his threes last year. I think it was like right at 41. 
he's shooting in the well, probably after today, they may not even be shooting 30%, but coming in and he was shooting like 31, 32%. Zakai, Zakai's numbers are, are way off um, from where he's been. Tyreek Key has not, you know, shot it at the, you know, the clip that he did when he was at Indiana State. And I, you know, I'm not saying that everybody is going to suddenly start making one or two more per game, but I, I think just returning to the mean, if, if some of these guys just get to where they have been as shooters previously in their career, then I, get, I think you're going to see offense be a little better. I'd say what hurt Tennessee today, back, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but getting um, Phillips and Olivier having such tough days struggling, you know, Rick wants to play inside out all the time. You know, even if they end up taking a bunch of threes, he wants it to start from, from inside and Tennessee just got nothing out of the post today um, from, you know, and Julie, you know, Julian's not a back to the basket guy, but he's getting a lot of his points, you know, in the, in the paint off, off of drives. Olivier had been shooting the lights out for the last, you know, since the Colorado game, Olivier has been making 73% from, from the floor. He was 32 of 43 in the previous six games. So, you know, for, he, and he just completely fell off the map today. So I, you know, I, those two guys aren't going to be this bad every night. And, and I really think, I mean, Santi's, we, we've, we've seen Santi play a lot of basketball. He, he's going to find his stroke. Zakai's going to shoot it better. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be a team that averages 80-plus points a game in SEC play, but I, I think that they can be a lot better than they were today, and I would expect them to be. Rob, is it as simple as shoot or shoot? Because as bad as Tennessee shot the basketball today, you mentioned those three made uh, field goals in the last 10 minutes or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they were all three-pointers. I believe they, were. they all stopped bleedings. Like, you had Tyreek uh, Key that stopped a six-minute scoring drought. You had uh, Jemiah Meshack that had a three-pointer that extended it to uh, a five-point game. Same with Zakai Ziegler later with less than three minutes ago. I feel like this team will just continue to shoot, and I would assume that's what Rick Barnes wants them to. It's just some days they make them, sometimes they don't. Yeah, that, that's one of his biggest pet peeves, and not just with this team. I mean, in, in, in general, is when guys turn down open shots, even if it's early in the shot clock. I mean, in, in coach's mind, that is one of the things that, that leads to turnovers because you or, you know, just bad possessions in general. So, and, you know, Tyreek Key has been a guy that he singled out, you know, for, for that. And I, and I think a lot of that is just Tyreek, you know, getting comfortable with, with new teammates and kind of figuring out how to be assertive. But, yeah, the, the right guys have to take the shots. And, you know, Key with a big three, Zakai with a big three. I mean, that's that's what you want to see from those guys. And but it can be tough. I mean, if you're if you're Santiago and, and you've had the t- a tough shooting day, you know, like he did today. I mean, a really tough shooting day. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's maybe hard to, to step into that open twenty two footer with twenty five seconds left on left on the shot clock. But that's you know that's what the coach wants him to do. Rob, how big of a surprise is Meshack to you? Uh not a huge one, but only because I saw preseason practice and, and heard the staff, you know, talking about him. Of the guys coming back, I, I think he might have had the best summer. Um, you know, for when, when you when you for, I mean, J- Jemiah's a top fifty recruit and played like three minutes a game as a freshman. In this day and age, that's that, that, that a lot of those guys. A lot of guys are headed to the portal after that, and I don't think that ever crossed his mind. I mean, he was just, you know, what do I need to do? To, to play, you know, what do I need to work on this summer? He had a great off season. I'm a little bit surprised, um, you know, the, the, the three point shot, you know, not the one that he just hit it today, but he's, he's turned himself into a capable three point shooter, but um, athletically it, it looked in the preseason, like he was going to be one of Tennessee's best perimeter defenders. Um, he is a great rebounder for a guard. I mean, really physical, really athletic. Um, and, and Rick, you know, loves 
I guess Rick's phrase is he creates extra possessions with, with the offensive rebounding, with the steals. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit surprised with the offensive polish, but the fact that he's, you know, playing 15, 16 minutes a game, I'm not surprised about that based off how high the staff was on him back in the preseason. Rob, last thing I got for you, um, any any word from uh, Rick Barnes, any update or anything on Josiah Jordan-James? I know he didn't go today and he's missed some time already this season, but obviously a guy that they'd like to get healthy and get consistent minutes out of again. Yeah, he didn't have anything new to say post-game. And just he, uh, Josiah has called himself day-to-day. And uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I, I'm, he's missed four games in, in the last you know couple of weeks with, with something that was giving him problems in the preseason. It's it's kind of hard not to imagine that this may be something that 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 he deals with all year long. Yeah, figured so. But nonetheless, Tennessee does get a fifty six fifty three win over Maryland. Number seven beats number thirteen on a day where uh, not very good defense in the second half. Didn't shoot the ball well, but you found a way to win and a quality win potentially when you look back on it later in uh, the season. Rob, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. All right, guys. All right, that's Rob Lewis, FalkWest.com. As we continue on here with the Rocky Top Rewind, Brent Hubbs got a couple minutes left, and he had some questions about recruiting and, and where Tennessee stands with some of these different guys. Uh, Tennessee did have three official visitors this weekend, two of which were commits and Shandavion Bradley and, and uh, Jack Lutra, but also had uh, Elijah Davison, junior college defensive lineman. Uh, Tennessee uh, looking at him, Aaron Carter, some other, not many, but a couple of prep athletes to conclude this 2023 recruiting cycle. Yeah, I think, you know, Arian Carter is the name that everybody's keeping an eye on. No, no real word coming out of that Alabama visit at this point. Um, so we'll see what Arian Carter has to say moving forward. Um, everybody's trying to reach him. He, he's been low-key since that. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. That's Tennessee or Alabama. I don't see anybody else getting involved there. I, I, I don't see him delaying or, or seeing him taking another visit. He had talked about potentially – could take another visit right now would be, I would be really surprised if he took another visit before uh, signing somewhere on signing day. And, and then he wants to wait and announce um, at the all-star game. Now there's a couple of schools on that list that are his two finalists that would love for him to come to bowl practice. So if you come to bowl practice, you're not going to wait to, you're not going to wait to announce where you're going to school. So um We'll see, but but I, I mean I think that's a Tennessee Alabama by, uh, battle. I know he has said he's going to let Colorado in the house, you know, for a visit. Um, I don't get the sense he's going that far away from home, going to Colorado. Um, I think um, I, I think the proximity to home will be important for him. Uh, so I, I don't think Colorado is going to be um, ultimately any kind of real factor. We'll see if he does indeed let him in the house this week and. Uh, and let them get a visit. Obviously, Tennessee still got a visit to make. We know Nick Saban's already been in the home there. Um, as for Elijah Davis, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's one of those things where, um, you know, Tennessee's been recruiting him, and you have him here for a weekend, and you, you gather more information, and you learn more things, and, and then you make a decision based off that. So we'll see what happens with, with Arian Carter. I don't think he's the slam dunk take that um, I thought he was but before – coming into this visit. So we'll see what all happens with, with that one. And I think the other thing at this point is just what does that portal look like, Eric? What's available to them? What do they like? You know, who do they like out there in the portal? Um, the, the thing about the portal that's interesting is you want to try to do medical evaluations, right? I mean, you, you want to make sure you're not getting a guy who needs a, a labrum surgery mm-hmm. or needs something. All of a sudden you're not going to have him for six or seven months and how effective could they be? 
all those things you're trying to look to do, but everybody's trying to go fast. You know, everybody's trying to make a uh, quick, you know, quick decision. You feel like you got to go really fast because if you don't, then you're going to get passed. You know, you're going to get passed up by some other schools out there. So we'll, we'll see where Tennessee's at. They've been active. They've talked to a lot of people. They've evaluated a ton of things. Do they get anybody in for a visit? You know, we'll we'll keep close tabs on that throughout the, the week this week because I think if you're – you're going to get somebody into town for a visit. I think that's going to happen in the next seven to 10 days. But I think a lot of these guys are going to go places without ever seeing them, Eric, particularly if they're one-year guys, because they don't care. You know, it's a 12-month yeah. deal, or in some cases, it's less than 12 months. Um, so I just don't think they're in a ton of hurry at, at this. I mean, I don't think these guys are wanting to go through the recruiting process, some of them, like they did. I mean, I think Castles is a great example of that. You know, basically, he felt like the opportunity at Tennessee was too big, too big to pass up. He didn't want to take a chance on losing out on it, Eric. So he jumped in, as, as you know, basically as quick as the offer got there. He was he committed to the offer. So uh, I think you're seeing quite a bit of that in, in the transfer portal as well. Yeah, Castles wants to get to the NFL. Uh, looking at the Tennessee coaching staff, looking at how they use the tight end position, and thinking that was his best chance as essentially a rental player. He's got one year of eligibility left. Come here and see what happens. Uh, plenty of stuff on the transfer portal. It is fast moving. You can catch all that at on three. And of course, at VolQuest.com. Uh, Tennessee right now, 24 commits for the class of 2023 national signing day is 10 days away on the 21st of December, uh, Tennessee sitting 11th in the country, fifth in the sec. And uh, last thing, Brent's uh, orange bowl practices will begin later this week. There will be some uh, commits here to uh, go ahead and practice. There'll be, uh, tons of early enrollees that'll be here, and you had all that in the war room last week. But Tennessee will hit the practice field and begin official preparations for Clemson and the Orange Bowl. Yeah, they will. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's going to be fun to see. 14 of 16 midterm enrollees are scheduled to be into into Tennessee uh, for, for bowl practice. And then uh, we'll see exactly what happens with official visits. As as, as you got there, Ra-Ra Davis, the, or Ra-Ra Thomas, the 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 receiver who's been at Mississippi state scheduled to be in at the end of this week. We'll see if that visit ends up taking place. Uh, they're obviously going to bring in the, the newest commitment, um, Larry Johnson, the third, the offensive lineman from out at, uh, out in Kansas at uh, Hutchinson community college. He's scheduled to be in for an official visit this weekend, but that may be it. You know, uh, there may be, you know, if another receiver wants to come in before Davis or before Thomas, then, then, Maybe you don't bring in Ra Ra Thomas. I mean, this is a fast moving deal in this last 10 days here. So we'll see. That the biggest thing for Tennessee, I think, is you get those 14 out of 16 midtermers here. You breathe a little easier because you don't have to chase all around the country and, and kind of babysit that to the finish line because you got them on your campus and you give them a jump start on learning things and understanding kind of where everything is on campus, how to go about your business each and every day. So there's there's a two-way benefit for Tennessee. Uh, in that situation, and that'll take place once final exams are over and guys are through with their high school stuff. Absolutely. You can catch it all here at VolQuest.com. That's VolQuest.com. You get a stocking stuffer, $10 for one year. It's the perfect Christmas gift, $10 for a one-year subscription at VolQuest.com. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and be sure to join us back here next Sunday night, 8 o'clock, for another edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. Got loads of stuff coming up this week as we get you closer to signing day and the Christmas holiday. Uh, for Brent Hubs, I am Eric Kane. Thank you guys so much for joining us right here on another edition of the Rocky Top Rewind.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.